Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Hey, Allie. Hey, Jen, how you doing? Super. Did you enjoy yesterday's weather or what? Oh, it was nice. A little cloudy here and there, but it was nice overall. I spent a lot of my time DIYing my couch. What you doing to your couch? I added more. I like fix the cushions. Okay. Added more foam. And then I put this couch cover over it. It looks really funny, but it's really comfy. Okay. <laughs> it looks really bad. So, wait, is it, so let me guess. Is it bubbled up with foam? yeah well it's really fluffy i use this what do you call it like bat batting or something foam batting and then i put a couch cover over it it looks like it probably added a good four inches to the couch cushion yeah i know (laughs) the reason why i know is i did it too once (laughs) after a while it will sink down to normal height (laughs) well and i look at it like it looks funny Mm-hmm. And I was, of course, like, let me buy what's the cheapest couch cover because those things are expensive. Yeah. So it's blue. It's like a country blue. <laughs> so country it's like blue? this. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, fluffy blue couch now. Okay. Okay. It, it looks funny, but it's comfy and that's all that matters. I'll come and look at it. And I just want to say. Thank you for the use of your child yesterday who babysat my animals so that I could go on a day vacation. There you go. Yeah, it was nice. I went to the, I don't know how to say it, Olentangy Caverns. It's in Ohio. It's in Columbus. And, um, you know, I love rocks. Mm-hmm. You got to do like like a, like a little fake mining where you get to like sift your... Um, pan in the water and there's yeah it goes away and you oh you know i love my rocks i spent the most time fucking around with the rocks <laughs> look you at you spending all this time in the great state of ohio yeah well melina had the nerve to move to ohio which i'm actually glad because she moved from michigan to arkansas and it is very hard to visit somebody in arkansas from michigan right and then when she moved and then she moved to columbus which is only three hours away so i was like i can do that so we visited her a couple of times. Her house, she has a condo. It is the cutest thing. She looks like a full grown adult. I was like, <laughs> you are top pinnacle adult right now. Like your furniture matches. Everything's cute. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, shit. Like, I, I remember. Know, right? I was I like, wow. Yeah. And now it's like just everything's mismatched after all it these is. years. Well, you, yeah. Well, I have, I know, right? I think for maybe five years of my entire life, everything matched. <laughs> right. Me too. Yeah. It's because I bought all new furniture when I bought my first house. Same and then here. Other, other than that, you know, as the years have gone on, it's just like whatever you buy one piece, one piece, or you DIY it. Yeah. Or shit falls apart. And you, yeah. One table falls apart. So you grab a table and yeah, it just happens. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about today? I am talking about the murder of the, what am I talking about today? Murder of uh, nine-year-old Michael Connor. For hold on, I had this right. 
Verkerke, V-E-R-K-E-R-K-E. Okay. I practiced the last name, obviously. It failed me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tried the old, the Otenge like three different times and it keeps giving me different pronunciations and I wrote two of them down and now I've just confused myself. <laughs> <laughs> I outsmarted me. <laughs> what do you got? I'm going to do road rage murders. Um, so do you, let me, how about, Ooh, yours is actually more depressing than mine. Why don't you go first? Cause yours okay. has a kid in it. Mine has adults. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Michael was murdered on August 4th, 2014. He went by the name of Connor based on a MLive article that I read. So we're going to call him Connor. Okay. Connor was nine years old based on his obituary. He was a member of a local Cub Scout group and enjoyed singing, dancing, and playing soccer. He lived in Kentwood, Michigan with his mom, dad, and three brothers Based on a GoFundMe account for him, it was stated on the day he was murdered, a 12-year-old boy, Jamarian Lawhorn, had approached him and asked if they could be friends and play at the park together. At the park or at the playground would be where Connor's kind heart of befriending another would end his life. From MLive News articles, it was stated Connor was fatally stabbed as he fell backwards off a slide. It was witnessed by his brother, age seven at the time. Oh, my God. The investigation turned up that there seemed to be no argument, no confrontations. Jamarian just attacked him from behind with a knife out of nowhere. He stabbed him multiple times in the back and once in the arm. Oh, my God. Connor's brother would get him back to his home. And the little seven-year-old? Yeah. Oh, my God. Ultimately, he would pass away. Jamarian went down the street and found a man that was in his front yard and asked him if he could use his phone. And Jamarian actually called 911. The 911 transcripts in court documents quoted him as saying he stabbed someone. He hated his life, had taken a large amount of unknown pills. Wait, how old is Jamarian? 12. This 12-year-old did this? Yep, 12-year-old did this. Okay, keep going. Yep. He took a large amount of unknown pills. Asked to be picked up, he wanted to die and not be on earth anymore. While in custody, he was taken to the hospital where it was confirmed he had marzipine, which was an antidepressant and anti-nausea sedative promethazine. In the investigation, a search of Jamarian's home was done This is where police would learn why a boy age 12 wanted to cease from living on earth. Okay. The search of the home found it was in deplorable condition and extremely unsafe. 
There was cocaine positive tests on drug paraphernalia, no bedding on the children's bed. The house was a mess with clothes everywhere, laying on the floor. Based on a MLive article, there was minimal food at best and no utilities running at the home. Oh, my God. Yeah, he lived at the home with his mother, Anita Lawhorn, his stepfather, Bernard Harold, and three siblings. When Jamarian was examined, it was found he had extensive bruising covering his body. Oh, the mother, Anita, and stepfather, Bernard, were charged for beating Jamarian with a belt and an extension cord. Jamarian was charged with first-degree murder, making him the youngest person in Kent County, Michigan, to be charged with murder. Oh, my God. So I'm going to take you through the three people, Anita, Bernard, and Jamarian. Okay. Anita would be convicted of third-degree child abuse in November 15th and receive one year in jail. And what? five years probation. Okay. The judge sir, served her with only 150 days in jail. Then her five years of probation would start. And if she stayed out of trouble in those five years, then she wouldn't have to serve the rest of her jail sentence. Why? I have no idea. Well, it gets... There's another interesting part in here, because remember, there's two. There's the stepdad and the mom. They both okay. did this. Yeah, true. Okay. And I don't understand the sentence whatsoever, but okay. um, the, the five, the, so the five years were up based on a Detroit news article. It said she had appealed after reading the abuse Jamarian endured over many years that came out, I would say that was a pretty nice deal she got. Like this yeah. kid had been, beaten, but she thought, well, she beaten, thought, not fed, um, not in fed. Home, yeah, living in a home that is has deplorable conditions. Even if the utilities were shut off, he didn't have to live with the rest of the mess. You know what I mean? Right. But she thought she was convicted of a charge that the definition of abuse was vague. I gather she thought it should be a lesser charge and the sentence was on, and she says that in her appeal that the sentence was unreasonable and it should be zero to 11 months in jail. Are you kidding me? So I think, okay, you only have to spend 150 days in jail. Then yeah. you got five years probation get your shit together and then you don't gotta serve any more time and you think you should only serve zero to eleven. Her appeal was denied in twenty seventeen when the appeals court found the sentence based on the severity seriousness of the circumstances, it was proportionate. So it was denied and she but she was freed from jail in February of 2016. Are you kidding me? Yeah, because remember, she only had to spend 150 days oh, in jail. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, but her appeal didn't come back until 2017 to tell her that she was shit out of luck. So, so that's that. 
that's her. Bernard Harold had an open child abuse dating back to 2013, where it was alleged he beat Jamarian at that point. In this new charge, based on MLive news articles, he pled guilty. And based on the plea, he was facing a max of two years in prison because the prosecutor dismissed the second count of child abuse, which dropped the repeat offender status. Why? I don't know. It gets even more interesting. He started his sentence and he started his sentence after Anita got freed from jail. Okay. This is an important part. This is where I just don't even understand. Mm -hmm. I asked myself why their cases were around the same time. Why would he be going to jail after she was out? Yeah. That's because they got their other children back. Okay. So in this period of time, they actually got their other children back. So the judge, brace yourself here. The judge gave him a delayed sentence to allow Bernard to remain with the children they got back while Anita was in jail. So you're sending the kids right back in that disgusting situation? Right. And we're going to stagger these two people's sentences because, you know, somebody's got to take care. Yeah, got to take care of the kids. You got to abuse them one at a time now. And they're used to tag team abuse. So it's it's an adjustment period. So I don't understand this whatsoever. The kids, when they were taken away in an, an article in the Detroit Free Press, said that family had those kids. It wasn't like these kids were in foster care or something. Yeah. Not sure. So Bernard's sentence, from what I could find on MLive in Detroit Free Press, was similar to Anita's. Serve a period of time. His was five months, then five years probation. And if he could stay out of trouble, the rest of the jail time would be sus- suspended and they wouldn't have to serve. It. So in the, the thought, though, Are you kidding me? like one, we were, you know, staggering sentences to be convenient for the people that did a crime. Yeah, Lovely. and abuse that, that abused the fuck out of kids. Yeah. Right. We gave their children back. Yeah. Which we're gonna find that, you know, uh child services just like failed Jamarian, period. Absolutely. And the judge failed them too. What the fuck? And then you're I I did understand this, like, okay, you got this big sentence. And if you split it up and put the five years probation in between, you're going to get these people like you're going to get five years. Hopefully you would hope these people would be on the straight and narrow for five years so they wouldn't have to go back to jail. So I could kind of see. But no matter <laughs> what, like, yeah, I've tr- I tried. I tried, but it's, it's it so is hard. It's yeah, it's weird. I will say. Now we're going to talk about Jamarian Lawhorn yeah. that the judge didn't fail him here. I don't think. Okay. This judge I, does I right. Okay. Yeah. I, I think he does right. Okay. So Jamarian Law. a juvenile court judge too. So maybe it's just like a different court thing. He was, it was done in juvenile court, but he was being charged as an adult. Really? He's 12. 
I just then why yeah, do we but just wait. This? Then why do we say you're eight? You're at eighteen. You're an adult. If we charge twelve year olds as adults, you know what I mean? Right. That does bother well, me. It's one yep. thing if they're like 16, 17 when it happens, and you're like, okay, that's close enough to eighteen, but fucking twelve. Right, and if you YouTube this, mm-hmm. just Jamarian, mm-hmm. and you see him in court. This kid doesn't even look 12. Oh, if I would like just kid. like, if I would like look at the video and you would be like, how old do you think that kid is? I would have said eight. No, I would have said seven, eight. Like this was a little, yeah, he was just so little. Just a little kid. Damn. Yeah. But just so, I don't think the judge failed him here. Okay. So, but that is a circumstance. They are in juvenile court, but he is being charged as an adult. So. Jamarian Lawhorn was age 12 at the time of the murder. As you can see from his parents' charges and the police investigation, his home life was horrible. The abuse, lack of the essential needs, and from what I can understand in 2013 when his mother and stepfather were investigated for child abuse, Jamarian was sent to live with his biological father. And it was alleged during that period he was also physically abused by his grandmother there. Oh, my God. This poor fucking kid. Oh, yeah. Based on police reports, Jamarian's mother came to the hospital that day after he had killed Connor. Uh-huh. He, she spoke with him, and he had no expression as she spoke, just a hard, stone-cold face. And I will say he had that throughout the trial and stuff. Oh, my God. He didn't show any type of emotion. Now, at the hospital, he didn't show any type of emotion until she told him that he would be going away for a long time. And the next time he would step foot in her house was when he was an adult. At this point, the police report stated his facial expression softened a bit. And I'm thinking, this is what this kid wanted. He had no way out. He didn't know what to do. This is a lost, abused child that that really thought. And as you'll, as I go on, you'll see, like he did this so he would die. Like he thought he was going to ultimately get the electric chair. It's it's just a very sad story. That is so sad that his life is such a terrible life that he tries to kill himself by taking the pills and shit then goes and attacks another child and hopes to die still and then finds out that he's going to be in juvie or maybe regular adult prison until he's an adult and is delighted to be away from his house for that long yeah so this softened expression could have you know like i said been the result that this child didn't want to go back to that home where he was abused and neglected, he told officers he planned to murder someone for at least a year with his goal to die, either by a police officer shooting him getting or getting the electric chair. He was trying to, you know, ultimately end his life in any way, it seems. Uh-huh. After, after Jamarian had called 911, and when the police arrived, they drove right past him. This is... This just adds to where this kid's state of mind was. And reports in the Daily Mail said he started yelling at the police, telling them, hey, I'm right here. You're going the wrong way. 
and he began to approach them. And as he approached him or approached the police, he actually had his hands out asking to be handcuffed. Ah, uh. this child committed a murder because he saw this as his only way out of his home life situation. It seems child protective services failed this kid and became, and because of this is in my opinion, this is the reason why Connor lost his life that day. Yeah. Not was, discounting Jar- Jamarian's role in it. I mean, yeah. he murdered the child, but I'm saying this kid was not in the right state of mind whatsoever. And child protective services had been to the home previously, had been involved and, and did nothing. Oh my God. In 2015, Jamarian Longhorn was 13 by this time. Okay. He was sentenced with what the judge called a blended sentence. So like I said, he was being charged as an adult, but he's in juvenile court because of his age. And so they came with this blended sentence. He was found guilty of first degree murder. And that sentence would be life in prison without parole. Just so you know. No, he never comes out. Well, just hear this out. Okay. He was sentenced. So this is with the blended sentence. So he was sentenced to the Muskegon River home. It's a lockdown facility for children. Um, if at age eight, between age 18 and 21, because you can only be at this facility till you're age 21. That's actually when you're an adult okay. in the court system, court system, I guess. Okay. Is what I gathered. So age 18 to 21, if he has shown to be rehabilitated, he would be free. Okay. But part of his blended sentence is if he is not or down the road, the prosecutors want to send him to jail, showing proof that he is still a danger to the community. He can be sentenced to that adult sentence, which is life in prison without parole. Wow. I'm not sure when that opinion, too, to send him to jail would end. Like, I've never figured that out. Like, when does that end? It seemed to be just open-ended. Okay. I I watched the sentencing on YouTube and did some reading, but I I couldn't figure that out. Jamarian would serve about six years at the facility. Here, he was provided psychiatric care and received his GED. He was free from the facility in 2021, just shy of age 18 or 19. Okay. His probation officer told WoodTV.com that he believed he was ready for release, ready to be an adult and a productive member of society. He deemed him a low risk for violence. During his hearing for release, he thanked everyone, Jamarian thanked everyone who had helped him and told the judge that he understood what was expected of him. He was ordered on probation he was ordered to work with a counselor and obtain employment. He was ordered to have no contact with his biological mother, siblings, and there would be a review of this later down the road um, by the judge if he can ever see his mom again. Okay. There was a review hearing scheduled at the time uh, for six months later, 
This would be where the judge decides to keep him on probation until he's 21 years old or release him from probation. Based on a WZZM 13 news article, just shy of his 20th birthday, which was this year, he was 2022, he was released from probation and supervision. Okay. So on a YouTube uh, channel, Fox 17 WXMI, they did a story on Jamarian called Jamarian's Journey. It is three short videos where Jamarian talks about where he is now and he reflects on his actions that caused Connor's death. He talks about how he is remorseful for what he did to Connor, talks, takes full responsibility for his actions um, and, all, and all the consequences that come, came with that. He talks about how that that was the worst point in his life, talking about how he was troubled and numb that day. He had not slept in days. His intentions were not to kill Connor, but in that moment he snapped and he knew that um, you know that he was in trouble at that point that he had went too far that that's not what he wanted to happen. Um, when they taught, he talks about when they told him that Connor had passed away, um, and that he understood that he was in trouble and the severity of his actions. And he makes no excuses for what he did for on that day. He talked about his intense therapy that he got through that facility and dealing with what he had done, his depression and years of abuse. He also talks about the blessings the facility gave him on how he went into, um, went in, in there and he was really messed up and how they really helped him and guided him and, you know, pretty much made him the person that he is today. Hmm. And they helped him get employment and it was, um, an interesting, I mean, they're really short videos, but it was really interesting interesting interview and they also um at the time he gave the interview connor would have been um 17 years old and there was a statement by his mom talking about how incredible and funny connor was and how she goes on to say that she's made peace with jamarian in the way of you know she doesn't think and wish what his life will be like, you know, bad thoughts. She just wants him to live his life and, well, you know, yeah. people to remember Connor and honestly, yeah, I mean, I can understand how she is able to forgive him. I think sometimes it's like harder to forgive other people, but this was like an abused kid. You know what I mean? Right. And I can't, it's, yeah. And that's what got me. So I had stumbled upon, you know, the story on you, some YouTube, just a YouTube video. And then it was that sad. He lost his life. And then it's, I started to read about Jamarian and I thought, oh my God, this is just like double horrible. Absolutely. <laughs> like, it, it's like, oh my gosh. And it just shows like, Seriously, 
where are how this kid got failed repeatedly right like it's a just completely messed up i i know, have absolutely his siblings who the judge made sure the abusers could one at a time watch them while they got in trouble for abusing their sibling right and that just blows me away too like how do you get your children back yeah I, and, how, and then what, I don't like how he's not allowed to have contact with his siblings. I mean, maybe not until he's in a healthier place, but it's not their fault. Right. But you have to remember. So you have to remember that. Well, I didn't actually say that. I think they were younger than him. Oh, okay. So, so, so they're probably at still 19, with the parents. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't see anything on that where the judge said, hey, but I, I suspect after your he was released from probation and can move on with his life that at that point it's his choice. If he ever wanted to speak to his parents and, and whatnot, there was a couple, a family that started writing Jamarian when he first went into that facility and kept in contact with them. Okay. And that's actually where he moved. He moved in with those that family. They, oh, wow. they took him in, and I believe they actually adopted him. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that yeah. does give me some hope. So, right. but the whole story is like Child Protective Services. I, I have no, I have nothing nice to yeah. say. Yeah. Guess, well, at least so. that, that chapter of the Child Protective Services blows. Right. So, All right. I'm going to say about road rage murders. Um, I, I have a few different sources. There's Oxygen.com, Daily Beast, Atlantic Black Star, Johnson Celebrations Obituary, and the Statesman Journal. So the first one I want to tell you about is actually one where the victim helped solve her crime. So Pamela Ray Martinez was 60 years old this year. Her 27-year-old daughter, Monique Daniels, described Pamela as strong-willed, a health nut who was into bodybuilding and healthy eating. Pamela was into sports and had a vibrant personality. She was a mother to two daughters, her other daughter being named Erica, with three grandchildren that she loved. So Pamela moved to Arizona in 2004, and she worked at two different colleges, and she liked to do like a little side hustle working for Uber Eats. And that little extra hustle was because Pamela wanted to throw a baby shower for her daughter, Monique, who was in you know, her late stages of pregnancy. And she also wanted to treat her boyfriend to a casino visit for his birthday, which was coming up. So on June 11th, 2022... Pamela came home to her daughter, Monique, around 5.30 p.m. to drop off a few drinks for her and her grandson, and then she left to work for Uber Eats. Now, at 7.11, Pamela calls Monique, and she says, hey, you know, I'm done for the day. I'll be home in, like, 20 minutes. And she's like, after that, I'm going to go stay with my boyfriend for the rest of the night. Monique's like, all right. Now, there is a witness to the crime, but it's, like, Pamela who does the solving of it. So Pamela would be found shot to death in her car. And it was determined that the crime happened around 7.30 p.m., so not too long after she contacted her daughter. And the witness saw two cars pull off on the side of the road. And in one vehicle was Pamela Martinez, and the second vehicle was a van driven by this unknown man. And then the witness sees the man drive off in the van, and then as he drives off, Pamela's car slowly rolls off the road and into some, like, shrubbery. And that's when they called the police because that, the person in the car is not responding. And it doesn't say if the witness heard shots, and I couldn't find any information on anything other than what they saw. So when the police responds to the car of a call, 
call of a car rolling off the road. They find Pamela deceased inside the vehicle. And I truly believe that Pamela's killer would not have been caught because there isn't any identifying information on the on the van at all. No, and the, mm-hmm. the person that witnessed it just saw a van. But Pamela had acted quickly. She had taken a picture of the man who approached her car. And it's believed that um, he had shot her when the window was down. So they think that, you know, she rolled down the window to talk to him, maybe took the picture then, and he shoots her. And when the police were investigating her homicide, they find the last picture on her phone is of this person. And his name is Rusty French. Go her. Yep. Go Pamela. Like, you did it, Pamela. The police say that Pamela took the photo. They said, quote, for some reason. It's like, because she was scared, probably, I'm going to (laughs) guess. You know what I mean? Right. But her daughter, Monique, believes that there was probably a road rage incident, because this is what Monique believes. And Pamela took a snapshot as the other driver approached her car. And Monique believes that Pamela did it um, as insurance in case Rusty does try anything after they pull over. And it would give, you know, the investigators a chance to find her attacker. And it worked. And so Rusty's 62 years old. He's identified by the photo. He's currently waiting jail, um, awaiting in jail. And he did um, live in Peoria. When Rusty's home was searched, police found several guns, and one in particular did ballistically match to the gun that was used to murder Pamela Martinez. And the trial's still ongoing, but I'll let you know when it's over and what these consequences were. Yeah. So she took the picture. The police were able to identify him on the picture. It goes together with the van he has. They go to his house, search the gun. The gun matches the gun that killed Pamela, the ballistically. The bullet matches. Wow. Go her. Go her, especially because, yeah, she was, yeah, so independent and everything. I'm glad she was able to think quickly. Right. Yeah. And the second road incident is Herman Leslie Graham III. On October 6, 2020, police responded to a call about a shooting in Salem, Oregon. And when they would arrive on the scene, they would find Herman Leslie Graham III dead from multiple gunshot wounds. Herman, who was 48 years old at the time, was known to his friends as Big Herm or just Herm. He grew up in Georgia, graduated high school, and joined the Navy. He moved to Oregon to be closer to his mom. Herman was close to his family. He has two sisters and a brother, and he also has six kids that he looks after. And there were, okay, so there's three witnesses in the car with Herman when it goes down, but most of the information um, that that I'm going to provide was uh, with an interview with one of the witnesses. So before their murder occurred, Herman's driving his BMW on the interstate with three passengers in his car. A second car begins veering towards the BMW, like acting, acting like it's going to crash into it, like swerving in, you know, toward it. And the driver's using racially violent language towards Herman, who is black. And the driver in the other car was upset, thinking he'd been cut off in traffic. That's why the whole thing started. He felt like Herman cut him off. And then the second dr- driver yelled things like, fuck you, and you're nothing but a, like an N-word, but he says the word. And the KKK is going to come and get you, end quote. And Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the witness feels scared enough at this point to dial 911, right? Because they're, you know, trying to crash or whatever. The driver of the second car continues to follow no matter where, like, even when Herman gets off the expressway, this dude's still following him, screaming, uh, driving aggressively, pulling up to them, you know, once they pull off the road and come to a stop. And at one point, Herman's like, well, let me just pull over. Maybe, like, you know, we could just talk this shit out. Like, as we're driving, he's going to, we're going to crash or whatever. So the two men exit their car. And when the witness like looks down in her phone when Herman gets out of the car and she hears at least two loud booms and the witness left the car. She, at this point, she's like, oh, shit. She gets out of the car 
And the second driver's still holding a gun in his hand. So the aggressive driver's holding a gun in his hand. And he tells her to get back into the car. And she, she does, right? Because at this point, she's in fear for her own life. But later on, she does try to approach, you know, Herman again, who's laying on the ground. And she sees the second driver, the aggressive driver, kick a handgun between Herman's feet as he lay there on the ground. And she's like, what the fuck? So when the police arrive, the second driver is like, oh, my God, this guy was trying to carjack me and I had to shoot him in self-defense. Oh, oh yeah. my. And they're like, look, he has a handgun and he points to the gun that's down by Herman's feet. Right. So the passenger, there's a passenger in that second car in the aggressive car. And he's like, yeah, yeah, um, I'm a hitchhiker. I'm an impartial third party. I got picked up by this guy. I saw everything. They were trying to carjack us. So the hitchhiker's like, Herman was driving aggressively. And um, this guy here, whose name, the, the aggressive shooter, road rage shooter guy, his name is Manuel Elisha North. And he's like, he was acting in self-defense. So later on, it's revealed that that guy was not a hitchhiker. Can you guess who he was? His, so he knows the driver, his brother? Son, you are really good. It was his son. So it's the Manuel's North son. Jesus to say, yes. Christ. To say, like, I don't know this man. And this is what happened. He does know this man. It, it would not help like, his father's oh, case. Let, let's just. Okay, you're you're dumb. Yeah. You think you're they wouldn't stupid. figure out? I think they're never going to find that out. Yeah. What, what do you think? You shoot a guy, you know, somebody shoots a guy. And then there's just because there's a handgun there, it's all over with and everyone goes home. Yeah, that's what they really thought. Now, it actually super screws over the murderer because he does, the son doesn't want to lie under oath. And the testimony that he gives police officers does not match the testimony he gives the, the uh, grand jury. So, yeah, he's like, oh, it's one thing to lie to the cops on scene, but it's another thing to do it in court. You know what I mean? So right. he doesn't lie in court. And he's found already not to be you know, trusted anyways because he lied on scene. So he also claimed, uh, so this guy, the murderer, also claims that he was picking up, I don't want to even say his name. That's why I'm trying not to say it. I was like, I don't even want, I don't, I don't, I don't want people to hear his name. He's just a terrible person. He said that he was picking up supplies for this construction company, but they're like, there's no such construction company. He's like, well, actually I'm like a subcontractor. They're like, okay, well, who do you work for? And he names this company. They, and the company, they call the company and the company's like, no, he doesn't work for us. So they're like, okay, Jeez. so this is also yeah, proof that he has a terrible character, right? He's lying about where he works. And he's saying that because he's at work, that's why he was doing this. And that's not true. So when they further look into Manuel North, um, they find out that he has a history of road rage. His record shows that in 1999, he was charged with reckless driving, unlawful possession of a firearm, careless driving, unsafe passing, felony eluding hit and run Jesus Christ and reckless endangering. Oh yeah. So these are the records of these, you know, traffic and criminal charges on him from 2015 and 2018 when it happens again. So that was, I just read you 1999. It happens again in 2015, 2018. And then he kills somebody in 2022. So the prosecutor, so they have these records of him, this history and the prosecutor wanted to remind the jury that he had, years to change his behavior and you know and it said he continues his behavior and escalating and the defense you know fought to suppress his driving record because they're like no no it's going to cause prejudice against him but the 
I think it's relevant. Yep. But the prosecution's like, yeah, no, I believe this should support our petition for conviction because it shows he has a history and that if we release him, he will do it literally a fifth time because he's already been convicted. This would be if they convict him now four times. So like, no, if we let him go, there will be a fifth time. So he was found guilty of second degree murder. And despite his racist rant, he was not found guilty of a first degree bias crime. And he did end up getting sentenced to prison for a 25 year mandatory sentence. No alternative programming allowed. And that is the first time I'd heard that. I've never heard them say like no alternative programming. That means if something comes up for somebody to get out early, he cannot go. Oh, damn. Yeah. 25 year mandatory means he cannot spend anything less than 25. Yeah, I had not seen that before. I'd seen before, you know, 25 years minimum, but I'd never heard them say like no alternative programming allowed. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's what you get, you terrible asshole of a human being who has a history. And you should have, I didn't read, I didn't write on here, but there was testimony from the other drivers who were talking about how they were absolutely terrified that he was going to kill them when he was like road raging on them. Right. Well, wow, that is absolutely, that is crazy ass story. It is. And that it's like, did you plan that? (laughs) Like you, you, you had this extra handgun around? For real. I know. Yeah. Just, yeah. I feel like he really shat upon himself when he lied about that he was there for work. Okay. Wait, I don't work there. Okay. I work here. Oh, I don't care. I don't work there either. Oh, by the way, here's a stranger. I don't know who's going to back up my story. Hey, stranger. <laughs> and the stranger is his son. You will never be trusted, oh sir. God. Right. Yeah. Jesus. Do you know what you're doing for next week? No. Okay. You know, the past two, two uh, stories, I've like just fallen down the rabbit hole. I mean, this is all week. I've been watching videos and reading about that story. Well, I can tell, dude, you had all the goods. Like... Yeah, for some reason, I've stumbled upon these ones where I just, like, I can't stop not looking, like, uh, and investigating. Okay. So, I have absolutely no idea. Though, there is one story that I'm keeping an eye on, and I'm going back and forth about it, because it's it's about a kid. Okay. And... I stumbled upon it. it a child, a two-year-old, got uh, was found in a freezer Ugh. in their parents' home. Now that goes back to remember that story I told. Yeah, it's a handful of stories ago where the lady, you know, beat her children oh, and no. put them in the freezer. That's- oh, I remember her. Yeah, I remember her. Yeah, and so. I thought, oh, my God. And it's in Detroit. Another child found in a freezer in Detroit. No, I thought it was the same one when I saw it. I'm keeping an eye on it and I'm keeping it. I've been reading about this story. This gentleman killed. It's not a gentleman. He killed somebody. This guy killed to um, a guy, his girlfriend. And a, I, a child, I think he was a nine-year-old kid. Man, I've been, I watched the trial. I've been watching the trial. This guy's a freaking nutcase. 
Oh. He, you know, like, dude, you did this. But he says he's been set up and it's a real recent case. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I have a thought in the news couple. and assumed it was the one you had already done. Right. So did I. Oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I did too. And then I thought, what the hell is wrong with people? Right. So I've been, yeah. So those are the two cases I've been watching. All the right. one, I mean, I'm not all, that one really still screwed me up, that lady that. Oh, yeah. It's uh, so yeah, hard that, to read about children being abused. It is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And but this this guy that killed the guy, his girlfriend and and the kid, that story's horrible, interesting on his end. Okay. Like, dude, you got you're ridiculous. Like, I'm going to talk about you because you're at, you're ridiculous. OK. And, and you're going to appeal. And it's just the whole thing. I mean, there's the whole trial and then you get to stand up, you know, when you're at your sentencing and as the, you know, person that's charged, you get to say something, they call it something. I can't remember what it is, but you can make a statement. And this dude's trying to retry his case. Jesus Christ. And how, you know, they stopped the video at a certain point to make it look like the car stopped there. And I'm like, oh, just think, give up. Do you just think give he's up. mentally ill or he actually believes it? Dude, this guy's got a record like no uh, other. Okay, okay. Like, okay. This, this ain't his first rodeo. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, dude, you, you did this. Like, you need to shut up. Yeah. For real. I know but, next week I'm going to talk about um, death gods. The, I read there was a book that was given to me when we worked together, an encyclopedia of like basically different death gods. And okay, I it was an encyclopedia, and I I actually read that shit. Now since it's an encyclopedia, it took me a minute. And I'm like, wait, let, let me look at my notes. When was it given it to me? 2018. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, well, it's an encyclopedia. Yeah, I want to talk about um, I'm going to talk about like different superstitions around death, why we do certain things, why we have certain sayings. And I want to talk about different, you know, gods in the that rule of the underworld. And I'm having the literally I have spent about an hour just trying to write down the pronunciations and I, my, my mouth cannot will not cooperate with what my eyes read. And my brain tells my mouth to say my brain. My mouth is like, no, right. <laughs> Well, that'll be my like my accent. So it just makes it worse. (laughs) You know what I got to tell everyone is is, and I'm not going to do this story. Okay. But everyone should go to YouTube. Okay. And Google this. I stumbled upon it yesterday. It's in Florida. And I'm telling you what. I'm so glad I don't live in Florida. People in Florida are crazy. And the, the craziest stories actually do come out of Florida. I just want to throw that out there. But your parents live there, so. Right. <laughs> Are we okay? Are they okay? I think they need to move. Okay. Because it, it is always the craziest shit. If it's a crazy ass story, immediately it's probably it's probably Florida. Yeah. Or and oh, some somewhere in freaking Florida. And so you guys got to all go on YouTube and just um, her it's Boone. Her last name's Boone, B-O-O-N-E. 
think it was Sarah, but I know her last name was Boone, but just put in woman puts boyfriend in suitcase. No shit. This lady puts her boyfriend in a suitcase, claims that they were playing a game of hide and go seek, which I don't understand, you know, when you, you, the person usually hides themselves, but she put in a suitcase, then claimed she went upstairs and fell asleep and forgot about him. And when she woke up in the morning, he was still in the suitcase. And as you guys watch it, you know, if you, you guys do, you should, because there's like her trying to tell them, you know, it was a game. He could have got out, but he didn't, you know, and, and they had been drinking and she had passed out. She didn't mean to leave him there, but there's video of her, like her trying to explain the video of her, him saying that he can't breathe and then he wants to be let out and calling her name and her saying, that's my name. Don't wear it out. And he had abused her over the course of the relationship. They actually, he, he had been convicted of abusing her. And, you know, she's saying that it was a great day, you know, nothing. We're just playing a game and she happened to fall asleep. And she said then the next morning she pulled him out of the suitcase and was doing CPR. And you can hear it on the 911 calls. You know, he's trying to count for me so that I can keep rhythm. But he was purple. And then they there the reports the dude wasn't even taken out of the suitcase. Like this whole thing. She impressions my ass. The dude's in the suitcase. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh my God. You have to like, everybody's just got to watch the interrogation. The interrogation is like this lady is you. She might be insane. Oh, well, honestly, it sounds like it's like, yeah, but it was it was a crazy thing. And I'm like, I told my boyfriend, I said, dude, this lady put her boyfriend in a suitcase. <laughs> For real. Left him there. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, you guys will have to look that up. Oh, I definitely will. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> All right. Until next week. All right. Until next week. All right. Bye. Bye.